0: Welcome, I'm Anastasia Yuglova, and you're listening to Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 11, 2006. Last week's elections in Venezuela proved once again the tenacity of the populist sentiment in Latin America. Here to discuss what Hugo Chavez's victory means for Venezuela is Moises Naim, editor-in-chief of Foreign Policy Magazine and a speaker at a recent Cato conference on Latin America between populism and modernity. Based on his victory speech, it looks like Chavez used his re-election as a victory over Bush and not his challenger, Emmanuel Rosales.
1: President Chavez has learned a powerful lesson from Fidel Castro, and that is to use the United States as a shield and as a screen, uh, uh, to shield himself from any accusations of underperformance by explaining that uh, it is the fault of the United States' machinations and attempts to undermine uh, uh, his government. And a screen where he can project all sorts of threats and all sorts of of, uh, um, ideas uh, that in the world today find a lot of echo.
0: Do you think Chavez will interpret his victory as a mandate to broaden his socialist revolution?
1: He actually said that. And so the question now, he was very clear that he's going to move full speed ahead. The only question remaining is at what speed? Is this going to be a very gradual movement uh, towards that and what does it actually mean? Or is this going to be a a shock kind of uh, um, strategy where uh, changes and policy reforms and drastic um, changes uh, will be implemented uh, in a very sudden, very deep way quite quickly.
0: Why is populism so popular in Latin America? It's clearly not a sustainable set of policy options.
1: It is uh, sustainable in the sense that if you have the kind of oil revenues uh, that uh, President Chavez has, it can be sustained as long as he has the control of the oil industry. And, and populism is, pop, is, is popular uh, because, of course, the, Latin America has a long history of exclusion, poverty, and inequality that has not been adequately uh, addressed.
0: You said in your speech at the Cato Institute that populism is a manifestation of poor economic growth, but I would say that it's poor economic growth that is a manifestation of populism. Do you think it's a chicken-or-the-egg kind of problem?
1: It's both. Uh, Economic growth has been very poor because of mediocre policies, Uh, but it is also true that uh, improving the quality of the policies requires a political setting. That is not uh, possible, given the populist uh, approaches and impatience. And I think that populism is a very bad word uh, because it doesn't explain what is actually happening in Latin America. I, 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 I don't think that populism captures quite the essence of what's going on.
0: and then what's going on?
1: It's, a lot of it is what I wrote in the article in Foreign Policy Magazine called The Lost Continent. Uh, and uh, and it's far more complex than populism. It's far more complex than the left versus right debate and includes a variety of, uh, of issues that I discussed also in uh, the conference at the Cato Institute.
0: Can you elaborate on why you refer to Latin America as the lost continent?
1: It's a continent that has been um, declining in its importance in the world. Uh, Latin America used to be seen as the backyard of the United States, And then it became Atlantis, the lost continent, in terms of uh, the lack of attention, uh, that it, um, you know, policy analysts and investors and politicians and the media place in Latin America has been declining as other major global threats uh, take its place.
0: Corruption seems to be on the rise in Latin America. Why is this?
1: We don't know because corruption has never been measured. So we don't know that there's more corruption now than before. What we The only thing we can say is that now corruption is more of a a political lightning rod, people are more aware of it, and and there is a big irony that uh, as uh, Latin America during the 90s did move from uh, more state to more markets, and uh, from um, less democracy to more democracy, uh, the perception of corruption has increased. Perhaps even corruption did increase, but with that, we cannot measure In theory, the more markets you have, the less corruption uh, you have because you have more arm's-length transactions and less government-centered allocation of resources. The more democracy you have, uh, the more accountability, transparency, the more free media you have that are capable of investigating corruption scandals. And so, in theory, what may be happening is that it's more visible now, but we don't know that either.
0: On a different note, I wanted to ask you about your book, Illicit. Now, why don't you write a book about smuggling and the black market?
1: In fact, it's a book about globalization. The book, uh, I- Illicit, the subtitle, is how smugglers, traffickers, and copycats are hijacking the global economy. It's a book that shows how uh, the, these kinds of international criminal networks are transforming the world and how uh, one cannot really understand what's going on in countries like Russia or the Balkans or China or Latin America or or Africa without understanding the huge impact that these uh, trafficking networks have, that um, they have been around forever and that smuggling is part of the human experience. But uh, in the 1990s, it acquired a new potency, especially a new political potency that is transforming the world. If you think, for example, uh, of the current crisis uh, with Iran and its nuclear program, or North Korea and its atomic bomb, um, those are crises that were driven and accelerated by uh, the international smuggling of materials done for profit. And and that's why it's so important to uh, incorporate and include illicit trafficking in uh, our analysis of the world.
0: If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.